Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. All right, guys, here we are again on another Man Up Monday podcast, and I want to thank you uh, for joining us this morning, and uh, we've got a great show for you today, but my name is Jody Burkeen. I am your host and the founder of Man Up God's Way Men's Ministry. It's a ministry uh, just uh, born out of, birthed out of a desire to see men do Christian uh, Christianity different and not just uh, in this uh, manby-pamsy way. A lot of times we see it uh, in churches, but we want to see real, raw, and relevant men live up to their faith and to uh, what God has called them to do. A lot of times when I read the Bible, I look at some of the guys that are in the Bible and I'm thinking, man, I don't see many of those Christian men in the world today. And uh, that's what we want to see. We mm-hmm. want to see men that uh, God uses um, in moments of weakness to show his strength and to, to show the rest of the world that he loves uh, his children. And uh, that's what Man Up God's Way is all about. Really excited today. I got an awesome guest uh, with us today. Um, the fastest pastor uh, Don Wickstrom. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good, brother. Jody, thank you so much for having me on, man. It's such a blessing to be here. And and man, I love your heart. I love your ministry's heart for making men, men, you know, doing Christianity different, man, because we've missed the mark. We really have. And and this is such an encouraging uh, podcast. And, and your book has spoke a lot in my life at a very pivotal moment in my life um, several a uh, few years ago. And I, I just appreciate that, man. Man, thank you so much. I'm honored that uh, that you've even read it. I appreciate that. Uh, it is. Uh, it's been a crazy what God has done with that book. Um, it started off just as somebody challenging me to write my testimony, mm-hmm. and I ended up just sitting down. Next thing I know, I had 150 pages of my testimony. I I picked a point in life to start, and the next thing you know, I'm going all the way up to that point. And the cool thing about it is that it's you know, not only been changed, but added to uh, throughout the years, just in my walk with God. And um, just, it's amazing what God has done with that. It's still on the Amazon uh, bestsellers list and God uh, and, and Christian men's issues. And so God keeps using it. So I'm honored that uh, that you've even read it. So man, it's I, good. It's good. And, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jody, but one no, thing that I loved about it was as a man should, I loved how you never blamed your family. Mm. That was one thing that I've read a lot of books, and that was one thing. Where I, I remember this line. I, I'm going to butcher it, bro, and I, I apologize. Right, but I just remember you're like, I'm not going to make it about my family. This is about me and my poor decisions and right. my good decisions. <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, that's it, because we get stuck. You know, We get stuck right. in blaming our family. I was there, and that just spoke to me. That that spoke to me so much in, in that book, and, and especially as we walk through it and, and – you know, becoming a godly man, God's way. Right. And so I I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I tried, you know, it's so easy to, uh, to blame, you know, our circumstances or our parents and, uh, or just the situation we grew up in. Um, you know, I heard, I heard your story. We're going to get into that to a little bit. I mean, you could, you can look back on your childhood and and figure out, you know, find 5,000 things to blame your, horrible life on or you can just you know grab your webbles and 
and buck up and and do things a little bit different. And uh, my different was, you know, finding God. And it took me 33 years to do that. Mm. Um, and when he when I did, man, it changed, rocked my world, rocked my family's world, and and still is. So God is good. Amen, brother. Amen. So, I love it. I love so it. So the fastest pastor, when uh, when I got uh, an email from, um, I get your publicist, uh, Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I was just like the fastest pastor. What does that mean? Is he run? What does he do? And then I, I got on your website and I was like, ah, this dude is doing everything that I want to do. Like (laughs) he's driving fast cars. He's fixing them. Like I've, you know, I've always, I always thought I would be a race car driver. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it never, never happened. I never pursued it. First of all, it was like, you know, probably just a pipe dream, but um why don't you let let's let's start off with you know your your story your testimony um i heard i heard a little bit on the uh i heard it all but uh just a little bit i want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it uh from your i am second documentary which was amazing documentary uh very impressed very impressed with that it's just amazing how you you know you're you're pointing to God and all that you do. And even in the trials and tribulations that you're going through. And so, um, let's just start at the beginning, you know, of, uh, of your testimony and, um, let's work our way up to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that Jody and thank you for taking time to watch it. And yeah, I am second did an incredible job. Um, ironically, I turned them down a few times before I agreed to do it. So. Did you really, wow. man, I, I yeah, we can get into that later, but uh, <laughs> so my testimony, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, when we look at life, I look at my life and, and mm-hmm. in the rearview mirror, you can see God working the whole time, right? I mean, that's the thing I love about God. He's, he constantly pursues us. And and in your book, you even point that out, right? You, you, right? you're able to look back and say, man, I saw God working in these things. And, and what I love is I see that in my life. And really my testimony probably comes, you know, just, I was a typical Midwestern boy, you know, my family, hardworking family, my parents came from brokenness. I mean, my dad was left on a street corner when he was eight years old, man. And my mom was in an abusive home in which they were abused uh, mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, you know, drunk, drunkenness was the way of life. And that's what my parents knew. They got married young. My dad lied about his age, went to Vietnam early. And then, you know, I tell everybody, you know, my parents compared to what they grew up in were spectacular people, but they weren't religious. Right. And, and I didn't find out until years later, my dad actually was, his grandma raised him and made him go to Christian school. And wow. he abandoned that in high school and his testimony, my dad's testimony is cool. He came to know Jesus about six years ago, radically changed him. Praise God. And, and, but getting into mine, you know, my parents were hardworking at a time we were homeless. They worked hard to get us out of that. And just never really exposed to Christianity. Um, went to high school. I went to, as as sad as I am to say this and embarrassed, I went to uh, a youth group because there were good looking girls there. And there was one girl I really liked and chased and never, never really got it right. right. And then went to college. Wasn't on my radar. I, like you, I wanted to race cars. I wanted right. to be a mechanic. Was not on my radar, but went. My dad challenged me on something. I had a bunch of money saved up for a race car. And he said, go do it. And so I said, I'd give it one year if a college will take me. <laughs> and so here I am at college and I'm seeing the hypocrisy you talked about. I saw it everywhere, but not just with Christians, but with Muslims and right. um, Islamic people and, 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 and Buddhists and, and even Zenists and things like that. And I'm like, dude, the belief in God is stupid. 
you know? And so I became an atheist and then I was like, I'm going to set out to prove all these religions wrong. Mm. And what I did is I took approach, Jody, kind of an analytic historical perspective. To me, it was about all the literature. I called it literature then that right. this stuff's based on. How does it compare historically? How was it preserved? And did it open itself up to accountability? Right. Got through the major four really quick, got to Christianity, thought that was going to be a slam dunk. And a year and a half later, I'm literally left there like, crap. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, this, this is legit. Like, how come I was never told this stuff? How come I was never told how many... Uh, that we can go from today's translation directly to the original transcripts right. and know how close we got it. How come we weren't told about how many original copies we have? How come we weren't told about the Dead Sea Scrolls? How come we weren't told about Josephus and these other secular accounts of Jesus and his death and resurrection and all these eyewitness accounts? How come we we're never told about any of that? Because the atheists only have talking points. You know, yeah. they, they don't want you to go into anything any deeper. They just want to throw That's out these talking points. And it's like that with, with, with any of those. And, and, even combating other religions. They just yeah. go to those talking points. They don't want you to go any deeper, but the surface level looks good, sounds good, sounds true, sounds, you know, so yeah. that's as far as you should go. But the moment you do start digging deeper as an atheist, it's like, okay, you, you got one of two choices. <laughs> you either follow what you just figured out or you <laughs> walk away and know that you're going to hell. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's where I was at. And, and I think that was the other thing is we're sold this lie that we have to turn off our intellect to become a Christian. Right. Deep in my faith was turning on my intellect. And, and I seriously went into it with an objective heart. Like I wanted the truth, but I, I really felt in my core of being the truth was none of this was real. Right. And so I came to a point after the year and a half, Mark, if you would have asked me, like, how do you get saved? I could have told you. I said, listen, it says, it says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, that you believe that he was the son of God, that he came on this earth, he suffered a sinner's death, he rose again three days later, defeating death and sin for our account, and that if you believe that and repent, that you shall be saved. Mm. But I wasn't about it, because right. <laughs> all I saw was everything I have to give up, man. Right. And, and at that point in life, um, life was hopeless, mm. you know? Yeah. And that's that's where most people are today is, unfortunately, you know, the things that we think we're going to give up. Um, you know, I, I remember me, I, I was like, I didn't want to quit drinking. I didn't want to quit smoking. I didn't want to quit cussing. I didn't want to quit, you know, all these things. And all the while, every time that I quit something, it was always better. You know, whether it was physically, mentally, spiritually, every time that I quit doing something because he was calling me that in that direction, it was so much better. And that's where. The world just thinks that these things are going to make them feel better or make them feel worse if they're not doing it. You know, they, right. they don't realize that it's really making them feel bad anyway. Well, that's it. I mean, here's the thing. Everything I was fighting to keep cost me something. It right. was costing me my hope. It was costing me my peace. It was costing me joy. I was successful in the world's eyes. Listen, I was, I was in college. I was just a few months away from becoming the youngest plant manager that company had ever had. I was going to plant manage 365 people. I wasn't even old enough to legally drink. Now I was drinking. I was living like, you know what? <laughs> but in this point, I, I knew what the truth was, but I refused to have that. And so I have this moral dilemma. And, and I think, you know, Lee Strobel uh, alludes to it in his book. I wish I would have found that book during this phase. I didn't. It would right. have been great, but <laughs> Yeah, because you sound like you went through the same uh, walk that he did. Man, I'll tell you what, I I did, and and yeah. 
all of a sudden one night God spoke to me very real. Mm. And, and I mean, he spoke to me and I, I got some hate for this because I say it in the movie, I was opening up these preheaters are about 800 degrees. The molds were about 400 and I did it a million times. I had to fill in for the techs. I was an engineer and the heat had hit me. You know, when you open something hot, like the oven door. Right. And I felt like God said, this is nothing compared to the hell that you'll face. If you don't turn to the truth, you know, mm. And I right there just had this sinking thing. And I got a lot of heat. Like one guy's like, God would never want you to go to hell. I said, you don't get it. He didn't want me to go to hell. That's the, that's the thing. Right. He loved me so much. And he's like, listen, I'm going to speak to this guy real quick. <laughs> you right. know, because exactly. he loved me. He wanted right. me. He wants your listeners. If you're listening to this, he wants you in a relationship with him. Not because he needs it. It's because he desires it for your benefit for your benefit. And I hit the floor that night and man, I just, I, you know, I'd never heard the sinner's prayer, but I knew, I said, God, I know, I know I've not lived life the way you want me to. You have not, I've not lived according to your word. And Lord, I know that you sent Jesus on this earth because you love me and you made a way out for me that I'm, I'm separated from you because of the sin and that you sent Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God to, to roam this earth to live a sinless life, but yet suffer that sinless death. God, I cannot comprehend that. And I said, and I believe he rose three days later, just as you say it was, defeating death and sin. And, and God, I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And God, I want you in my life. Jesus, I accept you in my heart. And I think I just started repenting of every sin. I must have been down there for probably three days and, you know, gave right. up my life. Lord. And I, I, I'll tell everybody, like, I, I get a little jealous when everybody like, Oh, like even in your book, the way you felt when you, when you accepted Jesus Christ right. like that, like, I was like, I kind of wish I would have had that. I didn't necessarily <laughs> have that, but what I did have is a few days later, I had this hope I'd never felt before. Right. I don't even think it was a few days later. It was probably a few hours later. I had this hope. Right. And all of a sudden the standard of living that I was trying, I was fighting for, and I was successful. I had to fight for every minute of it. I had to fight to keep the alcohol flowing. I had to fight right. to keep the job. I had to fight to keep the career moving. All of a sudden, it didn't matter. Right. Yeah. I had this eternal hope that Jesus said, listen, you can be broke. You can be rich. You can be sober. You can be drunk. I'm loving you. But my desire for you is to forget all that and abandon it for me. Right. And all of a sudden, I had this hope like, man. It really doesn't matter how hard I fight. I need to fight for Jesus. Yeah. Isn't, and it, I crazy, think that isn't it crazy how it changes your mindset the moment that the Holy Spirit's indwelled in you, the comforter that um, mm -hmm. Jesus said, you guys want me to send in this guy. You know, you don't, you don't, you want me to leave and you want me to send him. And there was a reason is because yeah. that hopelessness that we, we had prior to our salvation mm -hmm. um, is gone. Like, yeah. um, I was just telling you uh, before we started the podcast that I had ended up, uh, we had to cancel um, our original podcast because I had to go, go to the doctor and um, uh, actually I had to go to the emergency room because I had uh, my heart rate just shot off the, off the charts. And so I remember driving or riding in the ambulance, this was Sunday and um, it was just, uh, it was like a piece that I had 
Um, thinking, okay, well, if this is it, I'm going to meet Jesus today. What I was really sad about was that I'm going to leave my family. You know, like I wasn't sad that I was, I wasn't scared. Wasn't, you know, I was just like, okay, I need to make sure that I have everything in place in check, you know, if I make it out of this. And that's one of my goals, you know, uh, is just to make sure my family knows that I love them and that if anything Mm. ever does happen, we don't have anything to, to hold us back. But that, that hope that, that the Holy Spirit gives us is just, the power that gives you um, the ability to not drink again, to not want to yeah. sin again, to not, you know, uh, be a lover of money and and all of those things. And uh, you know where you're going when you leave this earth. And that's an amazing hope to have. Amen. Amen. Man, that's. And how old you, were you at this point? Man, I th- I was 20. Okay. Um, but, uh, actually, yeah, I was 20, just turned 20, man. It was in between my sophomore and junior year in college. Um, and it just, it rocked my world, you know, cause I get up from that and, and things cha- for me, there was a lot of change. I think it helped to have all this knowledge of the Bible. It was head knowledge, you know, it hadn't become heart yet, um, but it was starting to reveal itself. And what was ironic is before I left for the summer from college, I had signed a lease with eight other guy, seven other guys in a nine bedroom house. We were going to be the party house. <laughs> and man, I'll tell you what, uh, Talk about when they, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. That I'll tell you what, that junior year was so rough, Jody. It was so rough. I would come home and the guys, some of the guys hated me because right. I'd changed. You know, I was, right. I was going to be this party guy. We we're going to party up together. And I gave that up, man. I just, I didn't see how that aligned with the purpose God had for me. And, and, and so I just, you know, we, we gave that up and, and it was a fight. I mean, there were times where I was tempted and, and, and didn't do as good as I could, but, I also was trying to work out this faith I had, you know, like, where does it go? And I mean, there was a time where I came home from work. I worked a lot. So I only slept two hours a night. I only did that until probably about six years ago. And we can get into that later. But I worked, I drove 60 miles each way to work. I worked minimally 80 hours a week. And then I did school full time on top of that. And so a lot of times it's coming home at odd, not at odd hours and things like that. I remember one night I came home and one of my roommates was peeing on my door. I don't know if I should tell this story. That's, heck no, tell it, dude. So he's peeing on my door and and I'm just like, what is going on here? And obviously I was really hurt. And I remember, and, and the reason why I bring this up is I, I want to get to a point here. And and I remember I'd said, what are you doing? And I remember shoving him. And, and before all this, I used to love to fight. I arm wrestled a lot. I was really good at it. A little bit bigger than I am now, you know, right. but um. And I remember just shoving him and, and we kind of got in a little bit of an altercation and, and he was a lot smaller than me. So I just kind of put his arms behind his back and put his head in between my legs. And, and he kind of got me, I thought the word was weebles, but you called it something else. Webbles, um, yeah. Webbles. Webbles. Yeah. That's what my okay, so used to call him. Grab your webbles and speak up. Yeah. <laughs> so we got my webbles. And uh, so then I finally shoved him off and this is for me, this really was a hard time for me because he walked up the stairs and he was going up to get, I had a crescent wrench upstairs that was probably about as tall as me and he wow. could barely lift it. He came downstairs and he went to swing it at me and it was just too big. And I caught it and I threw it and I shoved him down the stairs and I was going to beat him up. And I knew as a Christian, I shouldn't do that. So what did I do? I emotionally beat him up and I won't ever forget this because I felt super bad about it. But I said, you know, no one likes you. You're pursuing nothingness of this world. Your parents don't even like you and your girlfriend hates you, which was all true. Right. 
but it was a horrible thing to say. And I remember he went up and he just, I mean, he just started bawling and he ran upstairs and I broke that man. Dang. Wow. I broke him and I lost all grounds for testimony with him and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it broke my heart. And, you know, as much as I could apologize later, it didn't make any good. Right. And I recognize we all have hurts like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he chose to stay in those hurts and his life never got better. I mean, unfortunately, right. I don't know where he's at now, but at least when we live together. But yeah, I had all this turmoil. I mean, the one thing I will say is the so- the group third day. Right. There was a song. Don't you know I've always loved you? Don't you know I've always loved you? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <clears throat> I listen to that every morning because awesome. I was so broken. I was I was like, no one likes me. No <laughs> one cares for me. <laughs> Yeah, you lose. It's amazing. Um, you know, David Platt um, did a uh, a sermon years and years ago, talked about um, he got to go to his first revival and he was hoping he was getting ready to preach at that revival. And uh, his mentor got up to preach and, you know, there's hundreds of people uh, at this place and man, they're getting ready to watch, you know, people get saved and all this. And his, his, um, his uh, mentor gets up there and says, uh, I just want you to know that following Jesus, um, you have to drink his blood. You have to eat his flesh. You have to pick up his cross. Your friends are going to hate you. You're going to quit drinking. You're going to quit doing it. And he just went down all this litany of things that really happen when you give your life to the Lord. And um, he said, now who wants to give their life to the Lord? You know, like just basically Mm -hmm. that way. And uh, like only two people came forward and, you know, gave their life to the Lord and Platt was expecting, you know, hundreds, you know, if not thousands of people coming forward to give their life to the Lord. And afterwards he was like, well, why did you do that? And he's like, he said, uh, I don't know how many people give their life to the Lord when I say, Hey, come up and say a prayer and, you know, repent of your sins and, you know, by faith, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how many people give there, but I can tell you that it doesn't look like that many people because the church would be different. He said, when mm. I do this and I know the two or three people that come up to give their life to the Lord, they're serious and they're going to change their lives. Amen. I think a lot of times when we, when we get into Christianity, we don't understand, or, or when we bring people into Christianity, it's not that we want to scare them, but man, we, we right. want to let them know that you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose uh, desires. You're going to lose things that you thought were part of your character that are no longer a part of your character. And uh, thanks to the Holy Spirit. I mean, you got the power to walk away from those things. And Amen. we beat ourselves up a lot of times and we lost friends. My wife and I lost friends the moment we gave our life to the Lord. And it happens like that. And you sometimes feel lonely until you get connected with the church, until you get connected with a small group. Like that's, that's the importance of those things. So I get what you're saying. So when you felt, well, you felt just, you know, all of a sudden you're in a guy, you know, six, seven, eight guys and you're the only Christian or the only one trying to live like one. And it's, it's hard. It's daunting. Yeah. It, it was super tough. And, and you know, what made it better was I got back to school. Cause obviously we were living together before school started and then school started my very first day. And I didn't know the voice of God real well, but I really had this heart. I'd never played the drums, but I had this drum set and I felt like God was really pressing upon my heart to buy these cymbals. Hmm. I'd spent what little money I had left on these cymbals. And I don't know why. Well, my first day of school, I'm realizing I'm broke. I got no friends and I have no idea where I'm going in life. You can upset though. <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you what. And and I bumped, literally bumped into this guy named Bryce Reamer. And I won't forget it. And I just saw Bryce the other day. We went to high school together. He met the Lord. 
And I think either at the end of high school or beginning of college, and he was uh, a year older than me, I believe it was. And I bumped into him and I'm like, whoa, hey, Bryce. And he's like, hey, Don, you, you all right? And I'm like, man, I'm just bummed. And he's like, what's up? I'm like, I don't think you'd understand. I said, you know, I met, you know, I had to tell him how I met the Lord Jesus and my savior. Right. And I said, I felt like he was telling me about this drum set and I had to put symbols to it. And I spent all my money and he says, my roommates hate me. And he's like, Don, he's like, I love Jesus too. He says, I just got out of a meeting with a, with a campus ministry called inner varsity. I'm leading it up. And he says, and someone just spoke and said, I would run into my drummer. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm not your drummer. I don't play drums, but I got a drum set. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll introduce you to Steve and Glenda and DJ. And Steve, uh, Steve Holden is his name, man. He was such a blessing to me. He hooked me up with my first pastor. He hooked him up with my first church. And I went to this practice, never playing a drum in my life. And they were so awesome. They were so loving. And I'm trying. And finally, they're like, have you ever heard worship songs? I'm like, I know third day, you know. <laughs> and so they're like, just sit and listen. But they poured so much into my life. Great, man. Um, and my first pastor, Mike, is is who he introduced me to. And and Steve and Pastor Mike, man, they they hold a road of loving me mm. with no excuses. Like, they didn't let me get away with anything, man. I mean, nothing. That <laughs> so, is great. Well, that's good. You need you need men in your life like that to hold you accountable. You know, you're it, the the men that hold you accountable and um, show you grace and mercy are the men that you need in your life. You know, because you're going to screw up. You know, especially newly on. I, I think that's the biggest problem with the church is that uh, we don't show a lot of grace and mercy for people who should who who do screw up. Um, you know, we want to throw them under the bus and we want to you know, back it over them a couple of times and then, you know, make sure that they're repentant and truly repentant. And then we still hold yeah. a grudge over them half the time when that's man, you know, good, good, godly guys in your life will change your life. Yeah. Uh, like, like they did yours. And, and, you know, Jody, I can look back on my life and I always think of that proverb where it says, you know, better, better strikes from a friend than kisses from an enemy. Right. And, and they were friends. I think of when I look over the course of my life where I haven't done well, where I screwed up is where I lacked accountability, Right. where I didn't totally. open my heart and my mind to fellow Christian men and be transparent with them and honest. Because what happens when we do that, when we don't do that, when we admit that from our life, deception comes in. Right. And there was a point in my life, in my married, married life, where there was a huge cloud of deception in me. And you can't even see it. Like you, you, you think truth is truth and you can't see it. And I think when a man gets to that point, it's, it's because we allowed, we stopped allowing truth to reside in us. I had a quiet time. I was, I was praying to God, but it, it wasn't, there wasn't a depth of relationship where I was exposing my, myself and keeping accountable to the sins in my thought life and, and where I was at. And, and in this deception, it wasn't on the outside. It probably wouldn't look big to anybody. Right. I had yeah, right. I had a I had a woman I was working with, um, great lady, and her and I became best friends. And then what happened is I replaced my wife as my best friend with her, mm. and that was super tough. And 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 I and there was just damage all the way around because of that, right? Right. But I didn't see it. I didn't see what the big deal was, and and it was super hard for me to let go of that relationship. And and thank God she you know she was a godly woman. She kind of got it. Um, but it took a while and I think it was cause my wife was praying. But what I looked at is I was lack, if I would have had a man speak in my life, it'd be like, Don, 
why why are you calling that lady first when you get a PO for your business? Why aren't you calling your wife? Right. You know what I'm saying? If right. a man would have just said that to me a year earlier, I've been like, well, what's the big deal? Well, how come you're not talking to your wife? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not talking to my wife because I'm building a business. I'm general, I'm general contracting our new facilities. You know, I'm writing contracts. I'm hiring more people than I've ever hired. You know, I'm doing ministry full time. You know, all these things. I could have had all these excuses and a man would have been like, and you're, yeah, priorities, yeah. right? Right, right. Isn't it crazy how success takes us to a place in our mind that we think we're above accountability? Yeah, I mean, you spoke about it in the book, right? Like that became, I think you called it your God, right? God, and yeah, it is. For, yeah. For me, it was, I ran my business. I knew God called me to do it, you know, and I think, but what happened is I wasn't chasing money. What I was chasing was not letting anybody down. Right. Mm. That's pride, man. That right. that is pride. And something yeah. about that business, when we're in the enterprise world, mm -hmm. it's it's funny how many of us business owners or our businessmen, we do. We leave accountability to the side mm -hmm. and we're like, we're gonna run it whatever way we need to to get it done. And and I mean, we did a lot of good things, but I hate to say it, I own that company for 18 years and I don't think I got it right until the last four or five years. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's funny you say that. I'm um, I'm in seminary right now, and I'm writing a class for a management class that I'm in. For some reason, they threw this management class in, and it's a business management slash um, pastoral management kind of deal. And so my final paper is to write on uh, the mission and vision of a business and then find their flaws and and tell them what you would do different. So I took my old company uh, that I had for 18 years. And um, I did the exact same thing. Like, you know, it started off gangbusters. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking about buying a jet and I'm, you know, I'm planning all these big plans. And then the crash of 09 happens and then all this other crap happens. And I look back on it and I, as I'm finishing the paper up, I, the biggest problem was me. Like it, 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 I had no, I didn't have great management structure. I had no accountability. I didn't have my wife involved in the business. I didn't have, like all of this stuff. And man, you know, and when you have cash flow coming in in a business, uh, you have a lot of money to spend. It's the moment that that cash flow stops that you realize how many holes you had in your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cash flow stopped quite a few times in my business, just thanks to the economy and, uh, you know, all kinds of crap. So I think, I think, if businessmen started off on the right foot, understanding um, that there is accountability, that they need other mentors, that they need, you know, guidance and direction, man, it would change, change their lives and probably make Huge. a lot more successful businesses for sure. Man, I'll tell you what, do you mind if I speak on that for a moment? Heck no, dude. So, you know, here's the thing is I did business wrong because I didn't trust Jesus enough to take over when I didn't have the answers. And I didn't, I had a huge hurt in my business. There was a time where I, there were two men I considered really good friends. They literally downloaded my server, my trade secrets and gave them to a competitor and went work for them. <sighs> that destroyed me. And then all of a sudden I had, I had actually had an health issue before the cancer. I had a health issue where I was in a wheelchair 60 to 80% of the day. Wow. It was the biggest blessing of my life because what it did is it forced me to begin to open up to people like Jesus did. Jesus kept transparent books with the people that worked with him. That right. was the disciples. He told them his intentions. He spoke to them in a way he hoped they would get it. And what I did is I, I started realizing when you said it, the mission and vision statement, I sat down with who I identified were my core leaders, my senior management team. We defined a vision statement. 
which for those of you who don't know, it's just a one sentence line saying this is what we're about. Ours was integrating innovation with industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mission statement is how you're going to support that vision statement. And then what I did is I said, listen, we're going to come up. Me and my wife came up with 13 um, pillars of our business that if I died tomorrow, if you followed these pillars, you would always make the right decision. Maybe not the same decision, but the right decision. And those were good biblical based things. And I got my wife involved in the business. That's good. And man, empowering the team around you, being transparent. Uh, to be honest with you, Jody, I was never money driven, never have been in my life. I, I, it, I was. That was my problem. Good for you. you. Know, and 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 I'm not saying to be prideful. My problem is, is what drove me was driving people. Right. <laughs> if that makes it, any sense. No, that's good. And that's and that's how a successful company if you learn to motivate, I wasn't good. At, I wasn't good at motivating the people. That was my problem. Mm, I, yeah, I, knew and, how, I knew how to make money, but I sure did not know how to keep it or motivate people. Yeah. And I didn't know how to make money. I mean, honestly, I didn't make money until probably the last four years on my business. Cause I can remember when I opened the books to everybody, one of my very near dear friends who was my programming manager, he cried. He's like, you've, you've killed yourself for this. Cause at this moment, my health is just trash. Right. It's like, you killed yourself for this. And I always reinvest in the business and, and we couldn't pay well at that time. We were innovating and, right. and probably the unhealthy thing is, is I also love to invent new things. And so we were constantly innovating. And instead of probably doing half of what we did and giving the other half to employees, I just kept it in the business and kept innovating. Right. And long and behold, we came to the system called, you know, I learned this when you read the word, you begin to understand what God values. Mm. God values people. He values their soul. He values their time. And I might've been valuing the first two, but I wasn't valuing people's time. And we actually got rid of the whole way we did business. We became culture driven. We became mission and vision orientated and we became minute oriented. We started tracking everything to the minute and becoming as efficient as we could. Got rid of the dollars. We didn't measure anything in dollars until a project was done. Everything was hours based and man, it changed the culture of our company. And we started going places. Me and my wife, you know, before the cancer diagnosis, we were looking at buying, we were looking at 10 other companies to buy maybe three or four of them. We right. were, we wanted to grow. Our team wanted to grow. My team was amazing. I love them, still love them. I miss seeing them every day. Um, see a lot of them at church and stuff, but right. it, it was amazing when we began to change our focus and we start to trust, but it really came down to trusting God. And what I learned was this one thing, when something hard arised and I started feeling myself welling up, like I got to take control of this. I'd be like, you know, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to see how you're going to work this. I'm going to see so you tell me what you need me to do. I'm going to see you how to work this. And it changed everything. It did. That's good. That's really good. So you had the company. It was a robotics company. Yeah. Uh, I worked for a very short time with the company that did that. Um, All right. So I sold industrial air compressors with a company that did uh, did this the robotic stuff. So all right, good. I, I'm not I'm not real familiar, but I'm I'm familiar with it. But so you had the robotics company, and about uh, what what year was it? You found out. So you you found out. So you had a, um, a cancer diagnosed. Uh, diag- yeah. Diagnosed with cancer. Uh, tell us tell us that story there. Yeah, that was about, I think it was about the 16 year mark of owning that business. And, you know, we'd really hit our stride. I mean, I wasn't involved in the business daily. I was able to keep vision orientated. And I had got invited to speak at Forbes Ag Summit, which at this point, this should be the culmination of my career, right? I'm like, man, this is, this is amazing. People are recognizing what we're doing. We're one of the largest robotic integrators in the United States. 
We had just invented the first autonomous harvesting, lettuce harvesting robot in the world. It drove itself on it. It was amazing. Go speak at this thing. But I wasn't feeling well. I was, and it wasn't the same not feeling well that put me in the wheelchair. It was different. You know, I'd gotten out of the wheelchair. I was feeling good. And all of a sudden it started backsliding. And I just noticed some things. And so I went to go see my doctor uh, down south. He's an Amish doctor on my way to go to the Forbes Ag Summit. And on the plane, I was praying and uh, I felt like God spoke to me, like, you're going to need to get rid of that business. Mm. And it literally was like six hours later, I'm sitting across from my doctor and he's like, hey, Don, he's like, listen, you, you've got some major issues here in your colon. Mm. And and he says, you know, and it it's it's cancer and uh, you're not going to have a chance of making any of this right if you continue to own that business. You're going to have to let go of that business. And, and he had been warning me. I don't know if he kind of knew something in his heart or what, because he's a good Christian man. But, you know, here it was now all of a sudden. And, you know, my first thought was like, oh, man, the, you know, was, I don't know that it was the health at first, Jody. I hate to say it, it was like all these people at, at Quest, you know, my family. Right. What about, you know, all these things? I don't think it truly sunk in because I still had the mission of the trip was to go to Forbes right. Ag Summit and speak. But right. I was depressed, man. I was I was trying to work it out. And the worst thing is I was by myself flying mm. to California. Normally I have some people with me, you know, because we're right. doing other stuff. But it was just me. And I was left to my own devices. And, and there were some real talks that I had to have with Jesus and with God. And, and the Holy Spirit just really during that time helped me manage some stuff. Um, still was fighting, being sad, and, and got done with that. And I flew home, and the first thing I did was told my senior management team mm. and said, hey, do you guys want to buy this? You know, do we want to sell? What do you guys want to do? And they're like, you need to sell, man. You know, it'll stress you out if we buy it. We don't want to buy it. We saw what it did to you. <laughs> um, but it was surreal, man. I, I think – Honestly, for a while there, I think I just lived in this moment of like, is it real? And and maybe yeah. not accepting it. But then, you know, I was reminded of a conversation with God one time and who was this? I was praying about it. I felt like God spoke in my heart. Yeah, what if you do die? Mm. And is the sun not going to rise tomorrow? Is it not going to set? Is Jesus going to get off from the cross? Is right. the tomb not going to be unveiled? Amen. And I was like, I mean, that was some hard love, I think. And I think a lot of times as guys, we think, you know, well, who's going to take care of my family? You know, well, God can do that. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to worry about that. God's going to take care of them. You know, he's going to get them through it just like he did you. Uh, yeah. We get really prideful thinking, God, you can't do it without me. You need me back here on this earth. He's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of this. So yeah. true. So true. And my wife was such an awesome reminder of that. She'd tell me all the time, like, you right. got to trust God. You know, if, if you were to pass, he'd take care of us. So you need right. to, you need to be seeking him for that. Mm, that's good. That's really good advice. So you were given a di diagnosis, um, and, yeah. and kind of rocked your world. You, and you ended up selling the company, correct? We did. Yeah. We ended up selling the company. Um, it would have been April of 19, right before the first Pikes Peak appearance. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get get into that here in just a second. So you sold the company, and at that time, were you going through chemo? What were you doing as far as the cancer diagnosis? So because of my immune system, um, some years before this, about four years before this, I had some unknown health issue. I still have it, I think, 
and well, I'll get into that in a minute. But um, what it was is my body was attacking itself. It wasn't an autoimmune disease. It was something else. And my doctor now feels like he's got a handle on what was causing it. But up to that point, I was sleeping two hours a night. I loved working. I love working this day. I love working. Um, but I just, my body was taking a toll. And what had happened is I would start getting these episodes where I'd lose control of my legs. I'd start stuttering. Um, I'd get really fatigued. I would pass out all these issues. Right. And went to Mayo even, and they couldn't figure it out. And, um, you know, so I think that kind of played into things a little bit as far as, you know, how this story goes and I'll get there in a minute. So, um, what we found out is my immune system is not real good through that. I have no lymph nodes, basically in my left leg, all the way down half of my right leg and, and my immune system's compromised. So when I got the cancer diagnosis, it was a holistic naturopath doctor that's Amish that got me out of that wheelchair and got me better. He's the one that diagnosed me as wow. well. And so chemo and radiation wasn't wasn't really a, um, a path. You know, I, I consulted with some doctor friends of mine who kind of thought the same thing, like, man, with your immune system and not knowing exactly what what flares it up and everything else, that could kill you. And and I know like if I cut myself, it takes me a lot longer to heal than most people. And I got to be careful of that. And so we chose the holistic route, which ironically, the whole holistic thing, natural path medicine, listen, I'm not, there's modern medicine. If I could do modern medicine, I would do it. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not throwing that out, but I used to pick on people about it. I'd be like, oh, you hippies, you know, oh, you got to drink your smoothies, you know? Well, now here I am juicing, you know, two times a day. I'm eating organic stuff. I'm taking, I literally eat so much bark every day. It's not funny. I mean, I, I, there's 57 roots, tincture roots I take every day as part of my cancer regimen. Holy cow. And uh, yeah, I, if I lined everything up, I think we counted like 37 pills twice a day. 57 roots and tinctures that I take every day. Um, and, and so that's how we've been going after it is, oh, is cow. holistically. And, and the, and the point there is you try to get your good cells to outpace the cancer cells. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And so we just keep working at it. And the hope is one day they typically say all of a sudden it'll tip and your body will just get to a point where the numbers are so big, it, it gets rid of the cancer or it goes the other way. You fight, fight, fight. And then, your body just either you maintain right. or it takes it. So, right. um, but yeah, so we've been doing that and, you know, cancer came up and, and that's where we've been fighting. And man, I'll tell you just a, a segue here in August, it, it had gone up to my pancreas. Holy cow. Yeah. And uh, I didn't tell anybody, but my wife and a few close friends And one day um, at church after youth group, I had a young man, his name's Joe. He's about six foot six, just a big dude, but he's, he's goofy. He's always pranking you. Right. And he came after, came up to me after I got done, you know, with the message in youth group. And he said, pastor Don, I feel like the Holy spirit told me to come pray for you for a new health issue you have. And I'm like, okay, Joe. And he's like, do you mind if I pray that? I'm like, no, I'm never going to turn down prayer. <laughs> and he put his hand right here and he started praying for me. And uh, it got real warm and I've, I've felt that before, but now all of a sudden it got hot and I thought, okay, he's pranking me. That's what he's doing. He's something's up. <laughs> he's had his hands stuck in a warmer or something. I it was hot. Jody, I thought I was getting, I thought he was going to burn me soon. I mean, that's Seriously? how hot I got. Oh, wow. And I went to pull his hand away and I felt like in the, in the quiet, God's just like, this is significant. Just hold on. Mm -hmm. And so 
I waited, he prayed, I hugged him and thanked him. And it touched me. It touched me emotionally is what it did. And all of a sudden, like two days later, all the symptoms I had that made me wonder what had changed that forced me to get the test on the pancreatic cancer were gone. We're gone. And so my holistic doctor up here in in Wisconsin called me, wandered around to labs. I said, Hey, can, can you do me a favor? I'd like another pancreatic cancer test. I said, and she's like, why? And I told her story. She's like, I believe in miracles. Let's do it. So she ran that test and, and comes back. It's negative. Pancreatic cancer is gone. And man, I'm like, let's do one more test just to make sure, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, uh, it came back negative, you know, still fighting the colon cancer, man, but we're doing it holistically, right. but man, what am I, I'll tell you what, that, that was a miracle. And, and, That's you awful. know, I've got tests on both sides to prove it. Praise God. So is the colon mm-hmm. cancer, you're still fighting that, correct? Okay. Yeah. So there's yeah. no surgery that can be done or there is, I mean, there, there probably could be, so, to be honest yeah. with you. I was going to say, do you have too much of it in cancer? Yeah. So here's, here's where we're at now. So um, basically it was affecting most of my colon. We've got it reduced down to basically the transcending and a little bit of descending. And I have not gone back to a regular doctor except for physicals, mainly because, you know, the problem with surgery is if I caught an infection, my body probably couldn't fight it. Right. You know, because those, and, and that's pretty common. I think it's like one in 10 when you have that surgery done. Wow. And, you know, if it was a last ditch resort, I would definitely do it. You know, what what do you got to lose? But I just haven't had peace about that. So we've just been staying this course and I'm actually really excited next week. um, There's a drug out there. It's a natural occurring uh, homeopathic drug. It has a patent. It's the first one to have a patent for treating cancer. And there's been a lot of success with colon cancer with it. And um, I was able to talk with the makers of it and, and get it coming. Um, and so I put, put my order in, I'm Praise super excited God. about that. Cause my doctor is optimistic about that treatment as well. And so I'm, I'm praying Jody, there you go, I'm trying to get my hopes up too much, but I'm like, man, I just, everything I've heard and, and I've done a lot of research on it. I'm, I'm, you're on, I'm, you're on my list. I couldn't tell, you know, from the, um, you know, just from the documentaries and all the stuff that I read on you, if it had, um, uh, been in remission or if it's gone or whatever. And, um, it's good to know you're, you're now on my, my prayer list for, I appreciate that, man. So I'll be definitely praying for you. Thank you. So you. You find out you got cancer, you sell your business. Um, based on what I read, you, you thought you maybe only had a year or so left. Yeah. So the day I sold my business, the next day or that night, I can't remember exactly because I was having one of my, what I call my episodes where my health declines. Mm. And so I got on a plane and went and saw my doctor. And that's where he told me, if something doesn't significantly change, you you won't be here in a year. Wow. And at this point, we're getting ready for Pike's Peak. You know, my friend had challenged me to do something off my bucket list. Me and my wife prayed about it. And my wife wasn't going to let me do it. I mean, I think in her flesh, but she's a praying woman. Right. And I really felt like I blurted it out to my buddy Pike's Peak, but then I prayed about it. And I felt like God was calling us there, but I couldn't figure out why. Right. Why Pike's Peak? Why why a childhood dream? Something I've wanted to do since I was eight. And then I abandoned. I totally, I seriously suppressed that dream because I'm like, it's never going to happen. And now at the worst point in my life, you want to resurrect this? Right. Exactly. And I couldn't put it together, man. So our audience, just so you know, uh, 
pastor the fastest pastor don is not riding a bicycle up this hill he's not running up this hill he's not fast walking up this hill he's racing a car right up this hill in pikes peak and uh that just that just blows me away dude watching watching you do that and um what a what a mate so you had this idea you thought man god's calling you to do it for the first time yeah um tell us tell us what you did to prepare uh, yeah you know kind of the the steps after you told your buddy pike's peak and your wife prayed about it so take us from there yeah so i'm you know my wife she's been praying about it for about a month and finally we're laying in bed one night and i'm like you know it's our time where we talk and we pray and i said where are you at with this Pikes Peak thing? You know, I've been praying and, and cause I really felt like I, I didn't know why I was still trying to figure it out. Like I didn't understand right. why he would call me there, but I knew he wanted me there. And she had said, okay, are you going to, are you going to hate me and be mad at me if I tell you when I tell you no? And I'm like, oh man, I, I said, honestly, I won't hate you or be mad. I said, I'll have a lot of resentment. And right. I said, some of it will come because I feel like I really heard from God, but I don't understand why he's calling me there. And I said, and I don't remember exactly how she worded it, but she's like, okay, well, that's, that's what I needed to know. And she just rolled over and went to sleep. I thought, and about three minutes later, she's like, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. I'm going to try not to get emotional in this part. That's all right, brother. And she said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And she said, if little eight-year-old Don would have seen your story, and he would have heard how you came to Christ and that you got to finally live your dream. Would that have brought you hope a lot earlier in life? Do you think it would have brought you to Christ a lot earlier? And I said, man, I'd, for sure it would have brought me hope. And that probably would have brought me to Christ a lot earlier. And she says, then you need to go and tell your story. You need to talk to an eight-year-old Don. And I, all of a sudden at that moment, I was like, holy biscuits, that's it. And I'm like, God, like, and, and, and at that point, you know, I resolute my heart. Just one. I, I want to know who that one kid is. Mm. I want to know who that one kid is. And, and that began the journey for Pikes Peak, which I, I haven't really talked about this part, Jody, much. Going to Pikes Peak, um, the first two years, especially the first year, because I didn't think I'd be around after that, was a fight. And. You know, everybody talks about, you know, you've got training. you got to train physically for this. They're building the car. I literally had never driven a, a Porsche race car until like two months before Pikes Peak. I didn't get in my car until like two weeks before Pikes Peak. All these things that, and I hadn't been in a race car in, you know, I think like four years or something, but all these things going on, but I'm fighting for my life, you know, and I'm, I'm having days where I feel normal and I'm having days where it, it takes everything for me to get out of bed and and not think about the pain and so you're you're going to treatments you're trying all these holistic things you're 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 getting your you know for me it's lymphatic massages and 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 all these other treatments and laser and everything else and you're fighting for it and yet you've like i can't even explain it but there's there's this purpose i don't know that i felt like overwhelming giddy like oh i get to accomplish my dream Right. It was like, I was like, I get to go do a purpose and, but it was a fight. It was a fight. And, and the fight got worse after the first year, you right. know, I, I went to Pike's peak and, and we were doing well, we were fairly quick and I hit some ice during practice week and crashed inside the mountain. And 
I've been to Pikes Peak, and I can't believe you actually didn't end up at the bottom of the mountain. Well, oh my gosh, dude! It was by the grace of God. I'll tell you what, and I was devastated, and I was heartbroken because I'm like, I'm I'm gonna die, not accomplishing my dream, and how does God? You told me I had to go tell my story. Who's who's gonna be hopeful about a story about a guy that crashes inside the mountain? And you know, I was feeling sorry for myself. And and Mary, I think it was Mary, had said to me like, "Well, you're not done." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, you still got Fan Fest. You still got the Porsche meeting. You're, you're not done." And I'm like, "You're right. I'm not." And man, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I think crashing spoke to people more. And you know, we went to Fan Fest. I prayed for, I think it was close to like 400 people myself. Wow. Prayed for 100, there's 35,000 people. It is not, it is not a church. <laughs> right. It's in the right. middle of downtown Colorado where, you know, every kind of debauchery is going on. But I still went and I remember Pike's Peak, they were surprised. I'm like, can I still have my booth at FanFest? They're like, oh, you're going to stay and do that? We'd love that, you know? And, and I'm like, great. And man, we saw 75 people convert you know who truly we we present the gospel very real as well and 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 that came to know that and man we saw god move like he did some miraculous things wow i mean we had a guy i talked to who he brought his kids and he was talking to me and he really loved pike's peak and talking to him i just felt like god was just showing me his heart was breaking despite how he looked and i remember i said man can i can i pray for you and I remember praying for him. I don't exactly remember what I said. It was, I believe it was just God speaking through me. And but I do remember telling him, like, God knows your heartache. He knows your heart. He knows you're broken. And he says, and he sees you and he hears you and he wants to know you. He, he and that's your choice. And he was just bawling, you know. And and I, I yeah, I took and here he was a Christian at one time. And man, I want to, I want you to hear this. This man had six children. He was successful in the business realm. His marriage started, they stopped going to church. That's number one key. You stop going to church. Listen, if you're hurt from the church, it's like a restaurant. When you have bad food at a restaurant, you don't give up all restaurants. You just give up that one. Go find another one, guys. Stop using it as an excuse. You stop going to church, I can promise you, in a year, your marriage is going to be in trouble. Amen. It's statistically proven. But here's this man, stop going to church. His marriage ends up in trouble. So what does he do? He starts trying to fill the world with the marriage. So him and his wife start experimenting with pot. It's legal out there. Then they start getting the harder drugs. Then they start getting into having more than one partner, if you get what I'm saying. All this stuff, not filling them up. He starts buying motorcycles, race cars. None of it's filling up. He's totally broken. Comes to this event. I meet with him. I give him I Am Second video. And Ben Reeves, my buddy Jeremy Reeves, has a band in a song. He went and listened to that song. He took his whole family. His wife wasn't with him. Took his kids, went to the car, listened to the song, watched the I Am Second video I gave him, and he's bawling. Mm. I don't know any of this. How I find out is his kid comes back an hour later, and this is what his kid tells me. He was waiting, and my guys are like, you really need to talk to this kid. He, he really wants to see you. I said, what's up, brother? And he's like, listen, my dad was here earlier. I'm like, oh, that's why you look familiar. I remember you, and this is your dad. And he's like, yeah. He's like, my dad did what you told him to. You know, he went back to the car and he made us all come with him. He listened to that song and he watched that I Am Second video and he just bawled the whole time. Ugh. And he turned to us. He turned to us kids. 
And he said, you guys, I need you to forgive me. He says, I have hope and I'm sorry. I haven't been a good dad and a good husband. And he says, but I brought you guys here because this was going to be the last event we did. I was going to commit suicide tomorrow. Oh, praise God. And man, praise there's God. so many men who were suffer in silence yep. and be okay with it. And that, listen, it's not taboo to say I'm struggling. It's not taboo to say I have anxiety or depression or PTSD. Oh. That's a lie from the devil. Mm. And I've struggled with that stuff, man. And I'll tell you what, God is so good, mm. but you will never experience. I, and, and I heard Jeremy Johnston, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston say this, and, and I love it. You will never experience the peace of God until you have peace with God. Mm. <clears throat> and man, I'm telling you, like, that was a pivotal moment in, in my heart that it made everything worth it. It oh. made the crash worth it. It made ministry worth it. It made, I will say this, it made cancer worth it. Oh, dude. And and to see that guy, you know, oh. not have to suffer anymore in, in silence and, and have the hope of the cross. And even if, even if you didn't do anything else, I mean, that right there is worth everything. It is. You know, I mean, just knowing that your story, um, your message, just your opportunity to share the gospel changed uh, a family's life um, from that. But God isn't sure. done with you yet. And so you finished the first Pikes Peak and you do, yeah. a, you do a second Pikes Peak. Yeah. So the first year we crashed, weren't able to go race day. Second year we go back, didn't think I was going to be alive. So we didn't even work on the car right away. Right. And then we're like, hey, I'm still alive. Let's go again. And Andy, my buddy who owns Kelly Moss, he was He's, he was all in. And not only do we go back, but I had him add a bunch of horsepower. <laughs> and and now I'm even more purpose driven. You know, we're we're excited. You know, we're we're getting I am second involved. We're gonna do a bigger ministry at Fan Fest. You know, we're we're finally grabbing on that this story is having some traction with people. Right. Go back to second year and Jeff Swart, who's world famous, he's a photographer, uh, he's he knows how to wheel a car better than most people know how to tie their shoes, man. He's, he's right. amazing. And he was my driving coach up there. And he warned me, he's like, man, you know, the mountain really good. He says, you, because of that, you're going to come up with some really good, bad ideas. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and I crashed. I thought I found a better way around a corner. I tried doing it a different way, knowing that it was a high risk. And I crashed, man. And I flew off the mountain one point, I think it was eight, seven seconds, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine seconds, one point something, almost, we call it two seconds. It's close enough hit the ground, did a complete 360, hit the nose, complete 360 in less than a quarter of a second, hit again, hit again, half barrel rolled, landed on all four, by the grace of God, was able to get out of the car and watch it, you know, sit there smoke and everything else. But Dude, that is um, an impactful crash, too. Holy cow. I thought, I thought he's not getting out of this thing walking anyway. He might be alive because I'm getting ready to do an interview with him, but it didn't look like you made it. Oh, my oh, God. Man. It's funny you say that because I remember after the first hit, I remember pleading God not another hit like that because I, I I really was so fearful. I was gonna, It was going to kill me right? or 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 take my legs and, and, and my spine. And, and man, I'll tell you what, it was the grace of God because we don't even know how many Gs I experienced because the G meters – I think tag out at like 65 or 68 G's or something. And they were pegged. Holy cow, dude. And, and so um, I, I told everybody, they're like, how'd you feel? I had some minor injuries and some swollen discs in my back. But the thing I remember the most is my eye sockets hurt. Oh, they literally, 
like in the back of them. Oh. oh man, I can't, it was a pain. I can't even tell you. And I remember like Andy gave me a bottle of ibuprofen he had. I don't even know how many I took. I normally don't take aspirin, nothing because right. the way my liver is. And, and but I took a bunch of these and the pain never, like it was there for like weeks. Oh. It was just, I don't even know how to, I don't know if like the optic oh. nerve was pulled so hard, but praise God, you know, nothing. I mean, for as bad of a crash, it was, it really was relatively minor, minor things. And so and did that, you, did you do, were you okay enough to do fan fest after that? Luckily, uh, or was it before? It was COVID. Oh, so was there was COVID? no fan. Oh. So it broke our hearts. We found out like three months before they moved the race to August. And then on top of that, they got rid of fan fest. So there was no, there was oh. no fan fest, which, which stunk. And, and, and I was sad about, but we were still doing ministry in the pits right. with racers and some photographers and still reaching out. It was cool that they had you come up and uh, do the prayer uh, before those two. Yeah. No, yeah. no. So you were getting a name, uh, even in the race world as the pastor, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I don't hide that I'm a Christian and right. you know, a lot of people I think are surprised, like you're a pastor and then you get hate. Like my first two years, the hate mail. I mean, I had people <sighs> mad at me like, Oh, how can, how can you let kids starve? And you're spending, you know, they think it's millions of dollars, millions of dollars going up a mountain. And, and, you know, here's the thing is God doesn't value uh, someone's soul in Africa or in Wisconsin, less or more than someone's soul in Brazil Amen. or Europe. He Amen. values every life the same. I'm just called here, and and God does means, and and we do a lot of philanthropy. I'm not gonna go advertise that. I mean, cheapers, right, cheap. Exactly. You know? yeah. God, God knows what I do, and but one guy, he was just relentless. I mean, death threats and everything else. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we found out who he was you know, and just had a real conversation with him mm. and, and uh, just found out he was just full of hurt, you know, and he's just not to a place where he's willing to give that up. Right. But yeah, we've, you know, got the name and then Lane Schrantz, um, my buddy, he was the chaplain and he's raced there. That dude is epic. He, he's the fastest pastor on race day. I'm the fastest pastor qualifying. So, <laughs> um, but he handed over the chaplain reins to me too. And so that is cool. That was year three was that transition. We went back year three. Right. They weren't going to let me back. There was a lot of debate. You know, here's this guy he's crashed twice. You know, is he reckless? Does he just care about speed? And it came from a place of love because I will tell you, Pikes Peak, the officials, the volunteers are like another family. Right. And cool. uh, they, they cared for me, Jody. They really did. And, and they finally did. They let me come back. And so not only do I come back, but I come back in yet a faster car. Right. <laughs> and one that's never successfully gone up Pike's Peak. Yeah, because you you went from a Porsche to almost a Formula One car, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's an LMP3. So it's a Le Mans prototype. You take off the side pods, it looks just like a Formula car. And right. we went back in that and we had to highly modify that thing. It's not made for sharp corners. You gotta remember, I mean, it's it's twelve point four two miles in 156 turns. You know, LMP3s right. are made for like, you know, 18 turns, 26 turns, and high speed. Right. Um, and so we had to modify it. And, and so we went back to our third year, super excited, um, because we thought, man, there's going to be a fan fest, you know, and we found out yet again, there wasn't a fan fest, but we did ministry in the pits and it was incredible. And we went and we raced, the race got shortened. Um, you know, we qualified top 15 and the race got shortened because of ice. 
And so we went to 16 mile, what they call devil's playground, ironically enough. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we went up there and we finished, um, wasn't sure if I was gonna, we were having some issues and we later found out what those problems were, but we made it to the finish line. And I, to be honest, if I had to push the car, I was going to make it. You're going to make it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, it was super bittersweet to be up there and, and right. you know, everybody was bummed because it was shortened. And then my buddy Lane's like, all of a sudden here comes, here comes pastor Don on the scene. He's just through the, mo I didn't even know how, where I finished until I got in the car to go back down the mountain at the end of the race. I didn't right. care. And I was just, I mean, it was a party to me. Like I was excited. And he said, you just changed the whole atmosphere of the place. And I was excited to make it, but it wasn't the summit, Yeah, you know? And yeah. then that, we went back. That, that, that kind of sets on the back of your mind. A lot of times like, okay, I did, did something, but it wasn't it. It's like, right. I, yeah. So and, then you go back this year, correct? Yeah. We weren't sure we were gonna, and this year was, I think, the toughest to get there than any of them. Mm. Um, we just had a lot of issues. There was adversity to overcome. Um, Kelly Moss uh, wasn't able to come to us in the mountain. They let me know, like, I think basically a month before we had to leave. Just a lot of turmoil, a lot of things going on. And Kelly Moss was just too busy. Andy's grown that business a ton, so he wasn't able right. to come with. And his lead mechanic was, you know, doing whatever he had to do and made the decisions he did. And so we we took over the program um in may mm. and ran it here out of axle and had some help from shane and and kevin who were the tuners and, and electrical guys and got two other guys god put us in touch with two other guys who we'd never met until actually race week wow <laughs> and so uh it was super god just really worked it you know we went from not thinking we'd be able to make it we had we had what we called motor issues we found out later it was a different issue on break-in but we had no parts. We couldn't get parts because still COVID supply chain issues. I'm calling. I am second. I'm like, I don't think you're going to have a story. There's nothing going on. And John's like, just stay the course, man. We're praying. You know, he had more faith than I did. <laughs> and so I'm like, we really need to just focus on how we're going to do fan fest without a car, without me, you know, how's this going to work? And, and God put it all together at the last minute, my engine builder from ready, God bless him, man. He didn't sleep, got everything done. We made it to the test track thing ran great. Um, and here we are, we went out to Colorado and we arrived and everybody just kept reminding me, you just got to finish. You just got to finish. Cause the year before it was the same thing. I mean, everybody's right. like, just finish, just finish. And right. we went out and when I ripped out the top 10, I think I finished, I think it was. Yeah. I finished number 10 in qualifying. Yeah, oh, dude. And what was funny is we went out for practice, you know, did our thing, prayed, got ready. And I told the guys, I'm just going to run six tenths, which means six of 10, you know, from the scale. Right. And I just go out and ran, literally ran a six tenths. That's all I did. Mm -hmm. And I come back down and they're like, you're done. You're done. You're done. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you just, you just ripped off a four, like 403 or something, which is, there's not a lot of people that have gone that fast. There's maybe right. you know, 20 of us. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, let me go back out, man. I wasn't even pushing. They're like, no, that's the problem where you crashed two years ago. Yeah. So we, we literally, I begged them. I said, I said, there's two areas I had some trouble on. I said, can I at least go out? I promise I won't go fast until I get to those areas. I'll just test them, you know? And they let me go back up. But like, I was, I wanted so bad, but I couldn't break my promise to him because those guys have right. been through everything with me. Right. And Kevin's just like, no, no. And 
it was incredible. It was an incredible week, wow. Jody. We did the ministry at FanFest, the amount of fans that now they know you right. and they're talking to you. And we spoke, Joe Brenner, who owns Porsche Colorado Springs, has been a huge fan of mine. I don't know why. I love the guy. He has done so much for me, encouraging me, helping me, gave us garages to work out of. Um, he's just an amazing man. And he has me at the Porsche event, even though I don't have a Porsche. And he's like, we're invested at this point. You know, we right. guys from Porsche, you know, we get along with them and, and Yokohama and Michelin, everybody's been great. And we just had great ministry, but the meet the people, the bad news about this type of ministry is you work in heartache. You do. Yeah. And, do. and yeah. it's tough. You know how it is, Jody. I mean, look at your ministry, right? Yeah. It's, it's very seldom, you know, in, in ministry, whether it's, church or men's ministry or even the ministry that you have is that you know you have people that are hopeless and they're looking for something to give them hope whether it's your story your testimony your car your 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 times what you know something to give them some sort of hope uh, even a cd like you did yeah. with the, the father i mean you gave him a a, a a song and a video to look at and that that brought him to a place um and, and I just spoke on this a few weeks ago. Um, I preached on it, I should say, that many times the only way that you and I can have hope is to find hopelessness first. <laughs> and, you know, that's where a lot of people are. And if they're not, if if we're not there, if Christians aren't there to give them some sort of hope, uh, the good news, the gospel, yeah. uh, a testimony, uh, a pat on the back, a hug, you know, around the neck or something, Many yeah. times they're never going to find the hope that they've been looking for. And like that father yeah. that you're telling about, I mean, he looked for hope and drugs and alcohol and other relationships and everything. And until he found it in Jesus, he was still hopeless, no matter what he looked at. And yeah. ministry, a lot of times is, is, is dirty. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's it, it, you, you personally, and me personally, we have to be uh, on point uh, as much as we possibly can have to be in our word. We have to know God. We have to listen to a still small voice. We have to be praying um, because people are coming to us a lot of times um, through divine providence yep. uh, to hear a hope story and uh, your story, man. I mean, you've got so many facets of your story that you could seriously, you could go down. I mean, it could be health. It could be dreams it could be you know uh accomplishing those dreams it could be family like you got so many facets of that that god's given you through your testimony that you're going to have a lot of people that are going to come uh from all different walks you know mm -hmm. uh, businessmen i mean <clears throat> you know one of the things that i think you're going to have a, a major impact in and, and probably are as businessmen you know mm -hmm. I, I think that's where a lot of guys struggle um, in the business world. The balance is what they don't understand. They don't, yeah. they don't know how to balance uh, because one, they've never given it over to God. And, and two, they think without them that nothing else will survive. <clears throat> and that's a, uh, that's a lie that the enemy is telling us as well. Amen. So, and you've got a, You've got an amazing story uh, big time. Um, so 2023, Thanks, are you looking at anything as far as, so are you uh have you made a decision uh i don't want to get you out before the, the <laughs> before the horse but uh just thought i'd ask you that well you know the chasing hope movie has really changed a lot for me you know yeah. and and i think has pushed me in a place i was probably reluctant to go you know i i'm not special we all have our stories 
Right. And it just happened that God had some special timing to have this story told. Amen. And and going out in 2022, when I left Wisconsin, I'm like, this is it. I'm not doing this. It, it was me and my flesh. I can't say I heard from God. I'm like, this was too hard. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> this is too hard. I'm not doing this. I just need to get through this year. <laughs> Fast forward halfway out there, I felt like God spoke to me and said, oh, no, 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 we're not done. And my real close friend felt the same way. And then he said this, he had the same thing. He drove out, you know, about a, three days after we did. And he said, he got halfway out here and he said, I just had this peace done. And I felt like God's like, no, you're going to come back. Mm. And so we kind of left it. I left that year. I told everybody on the mountain, like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. I asked the team, you guys want to come back? They're like, we'll come back if you bring this exact team. <laughs> and I'm like, done. <laughs> done. You know? yeah, exactly. But I said, let me pray about it. And I kind of felt like I wasn't sure. And then we, we announced just a little while ago, right before the release of the movie, that we are coming back. And uh, we're coming back in 23 if Pikes Peak will have us. Um, and I believe they will. I hope they will. You know, they've been a great, a great, great uh, organization. And I always tell them, I said, you don't make a race happen. You make dreams happen. Right. You no, know, they, there's not a racer I've met up there at like, yeah, my sponsor made me come here. I'm not really excited about it. No, everybody's like, oh, I dreamed about it from the moment I saw it. You know, I dreamed about racing this mountain and they make dreams happen. And wow. so we, we are coming back. We, we've taken the program underneath our our hood here you know personally um and we're, we're making updates to the car i actually bought we actually bought all the engineering rights and the program from riley ave um development there who developed it and tony ave has been great he's been a huge help and we're just making the car more pikes peak friendly and fixing things that we always wanted to fix and, and do on the car and i would say expect a good showing from us i mean we're never going to be i'm not listen I'm not a great racer. Let's just truth be told, bro. I am not a great racer. Lane Schrantz, great racer. Reese Millen, great racer. Jeff Swart, great racer. Cam Ingram, my buddy, who never raced anything until two years ago, he's a great racer. Okay. I am not, my friend. I am not a racer. The thing is, I just don't have fear. I never have. Um, right. And when people talk about a general rush, I don't experience those. Right. And, and, and I don't know if something's broken me or what, but I'm really there. My sole purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And it's just by his grace and his mercy, Jody, Amen. that I get to do something I dreamed of as a little kid. And what's funny is it has a ton of value to me, but not as much as 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 talking to someone or praying with someone or reaching them with the gospel. That is, man, I'll tell you what, all these things we strive for as men, the things that you and I found important before Christ. Right. All these things, even as Christians, keeping a roof over it. Listen, we can have great intentions as men. Man, I'm working hard because my kids need to eat. Listen, me and my wife went through a time where we didn't eat because we needed to feed our kids. Right. I know what it is to have plan. I know what it is to have nothing. I know what it is to be in want. You know, the Bible talks about this. Paul talks about it. But here's what I know is God remains the same in all that we strive for. The house, the cars, the money you know, the, the, the position at work, it all burns up here, brother. Amen. We can't take any of it to heaven, no. but what we can take are people with us through our relationships rooted right. in Jesus Christ and pointing them to the cross. Those are the treasures that we should be investing in. So when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed out to put it in perspective and say, mm. I tell everybody, what's the worst that happens? You'll lose everything. Right. 
you lose everything. Me and my wife at one point in business were at risk of losing any, everything, literally. Probably sleep just, better. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> sleep comes a lot easier when you put it in perspective, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, she put it – I remember this. When we thought we were going to lose everything, she's like, could you just, like, keep a car so we could live in that? I don't want to live in a cardboard box. And she was dead serious. Right. Like, she was fine being homeless. And she's like, just as long as I have you and we have God. And, and, and you know how – I, I was so stressed out at that moment. And then she said that and it was like, yeah, like God's going to take care of us. Like Matthew six, right? Like that's yeah. read it, man. You have, you have worries. Read Matthew six, man. You know, in 2018, when I shut my company down, I didn't sell it. I didn't, I just felt like God just said, you're done here. Um, I didn't know anybody, any money. Nobody owed me any money. I just unplugged the computer, turned off the business and went full-time ministry. And since then, since 2018, uh, I've made less money than I ever have in my whole life. You know, even when I was a 20 year old kid, you know, just in business. Um, but I am more content than I've ever been in my life. I have all mm. that I ever need. I have all that God has ever supplied me. Uh, he, he meets my needs. Uh, it's daily bread for us, but I tell you what, there's something about, you know, sleeping at night and waking up, not stressed, not worried, not freaked out, not, you know, okay, how am I going to pay this purchase order? Oh, I've got this one coming in. Well, they haven't paid yet. And they're 40 days late. And, you know, like all of this stuff, it, it no longer, it no longer, um, uh, entertains my mind. I have, you know, complete focus now on ministry and doing the things that I need to do to provide for my family. And I'm telling you, sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. trying to reach the mountaintop, un unlike in a car, uh, and I say the proverbial mountaintop in business, man, if you don't have your focus right and you don't mm -hmm. have, um, you know, learning to be content no matter where you are, you will be miserable doing those things. And I Amen. think contentment, knowing that we have our hope in Jesus, knowing that um, no matter what happens here, I'm not taking any of it with me as long as I know that I'm sharing the gospel and uh, making disciples. I mean, well, that's what we're called to do. And I think too many men get in the habit of, uh, of not doing it. And right. um, like all ministries, I say this all the time is that your, your first ministry should be with your family. And Amen. You know, then the overflow of that minute, there's no way that you could do what you're doing, not only in your business, but at your church and, you know, uh, trying to, to, to climb Pike's peak, you know, I know that takes up a lot of time if you weren't doing it first at home and you didn't right. have, and you didn't have a wife that supported you a hundred percent and children that supported you a hundred percent because they know the life that they're living at home is because of the life that you're living with God to begin with. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's key. It is man. And I'll tell you what, like my, listen, I'm a, I'm a man, which means I'm stupid. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I know how to do all kinds of stupid. But, you know, my wife, I mean, no one has, I think the lie sold to us is there's a thing called the perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. No, what there's called is a perfect savior mm -hmm. who, when you make that the center of your marriage, you can perfectly act in grace and mercy and love. And my wife has done that to the T. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, man, per, you know, I, I've failed as a, as a husband. I've failed as a dad. And man, I'm, I'm glad God didn't give up on me when I did those things, you know, when I'm, when I'm working and not spending time with my family and, and, you know, I could have spent so much more time with my family. And when you get a health diagnosis, like what I did, yeah. you have regrets. And I can tell you nowhere on my radar was the regret of, I wish I had more money. Work more. Yeah. Exactly. I wish I would work more. Right. You know, it was, man, I wish, I wish I would have 
I wish I would have spent a little more time. And I was there for my kids. Like my wife said, you were really good. No matter where you're at, you'd fly back, even if it was just for a few hours to go to their concert or their game. I tried to do those things, but there's a difference between being present for your kids and being engaged with your kids. And and I think I robbed them of engagement. And I think one thing I did when I got that diagnosis, Jody, is I apologized to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to do it. I felt like I had to do it. Like, listen, right. I, I hope you know, I didn't think any of those things were more important. I thought it was the only way to provide for you. Mm-hmm. And I hope you forgive me for the time I robbed from you. And, 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 you know, my kids were super awesome about forgive me for that. And we have such a great relationship and that wouldn't happen without these health challenges. I don't think, you know, I really think God, God used those, you know, and I believe he's going to bring me through them. I really do. You know, he's a miracle worker, but you know, I, I think about when you sold your, not sold your business, you closed your business. I wasn't aware you just closed it. For some reason I thought you had sold it. I mean, what was that like when you turned off the switch and you're like, cause I mean, at that moment, we all have ministry different places. You obviously felt like you were called to that. What was that like for you? Do you mind me asking you that? No, not at all. I mean, and the only way that I was able to do that is when we started the church in 2015, we took over an old church that had uh, $1.8 million in debt. So, so I took over the church at that time and the building and everything, um, uh, along with the remaining members of the church. And so we had a parcel that was adjacent to our property, four acres, and we ended up selling that um, right at 2018. So almost three years later, you know, we're paying $12,000 a month, you know, trying to keep this place open. And uh, God just, again, supernaturally did it. Well, we ended up selling the four acre piece of land that we had for $800,000. Yeah. So that cut our debt load in half, which... Um, then gave me the, and I was a non-paid pastor uh, up until then. And uh, with man up in, in the ministry and the, the, the church, I was able to, um, you know, just scratch together what I thought would be a decent income for me and my family to live um, without having the, the burden of the company. Because if I continued to have the comp- company, which I, I was at a point, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but my wife went through cancer we found out she had a cancer diagnosis two weeks before we even launched the church. And so mm-hmm. it was, um, mm-hmm. she had breast cancer and she was at stage three, I think. And, uh, so it was kind of crazy, you know, just all of a sudden here, we're getting ready to launch this church and my wife has cancer. And, and to be honest, like what you said, it was a blessing in disguise because what it did is it kept the old church members, um, focused on my wife and my family more than it did us coming in and blowing up the whole church and changing the name and the doctrine and, you know, the, the, the worship team, I like, we, we changed everything. And, you know, I kept their eyes off of that and it kept it focused mm. on my wife. And a year later, she's cancer free. So praise God. You know, when I finally got to that place to where I realized that money didn't make me happy. I mean, I ha- I made hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, I was, I was hoping to make millions of dollars because that's the way that it looked like it was going to, and I was never happy. It didn't matter if I added another hundred thousand to that salary each year, it never made me happy. And, um, it was, uh, it was a very surreal moment. Uh, the day that the church finally said, yes, we can afford a, a portion of your salary and you can work on the other side. And so I started doing construction on the side and, you know, just stuff to make, 
uh, ends meet, but I was doing it at my pace. I was doing it at my time. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't quoting big jobs. I was just doing handyman jobs and, you know, doing stuff on the side. And I'm telling you what, um, I, I don't miss what I came from because I have Amen. more contentment. It's, it's tougher. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, Christmas time's tougher, you know, want to <laughs> take care of the kids and yep. all that, but I, God has su- supplied and provided every single time there's been a need. My church is amazing. Um, you know, they have supported us a hundred percent and, uh, man, it's just, you know, we're up to 200 members now. Um, bouncing, that's awesome. Bouncing between 180 and 200 and it's a slow growing church. We're in a, we're in a, a community that, uh, is a very, um, the the annual income is really high so it's a very transient company you know and people who have money don't think they need god and yep. so it's it's a it's a tough community but god is working and and i've been blessed just uh just being able to sit and write and do sermons and you know just uh the opportunity to pour into my family as much as possible and you know the whole family's in ministry um you know, it's my wife's in the women's ministry. I do the men's ministry along with the pastoring of the church. My kids are all in the kids ministries. Um, my older daughter, she is in worship. She's not worship here. She's actually a worship. Um, she sings and, and, and worships, uh, at other places. And so, uh, and then my son does all of our sound and audio and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, You're two little miracles. Yeah. I, I've got, yeah. Uh, I've got four, you got little four, miracles. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So my two so, oldest are 21 and 20 and then the twin 11 year olds. Olds. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're blessed, man. Can't yeah. Man. I, I love that because, you know, we, we often escape this fact when, when we're chasing the world and when we're not getting the fulfillment from that and, and we're dissatisfied, we try to place it on a lot of things and, and then we, we, we self-medicate, right? We, we oh, try yeah. to self-cope and, and, you know, why, why is alcoholism one in four? I think it is one in five right. people. Why are we seeing high rates of suicide, self-harm, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, all this stuff is, is pushing it. And what happens is the devil steals us mm-hmm. from the fact that we have a purpose Amen. We often think that the goal of money is a purpose. That's not a purpose. That's a goal. There's a difference between a purpose and a goal. A purpose is how I live. The purpose God has for me to accomplish goals. Right. And the devil will rob you of that. The devil will tell you like, listen, if you're not making enough money, you're not fulfilling your purpose. If you're not feeling good, you're not fulfilling your purpose. If you don't have this hanging on your arm, you're not fulfilling your purpose. When that's not the, that's not the case at all. And, and what happens is you find fulfillment when you fulfill your purpose that's good yeah. and 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 we we often miss that and and i had someone you know i had i talked to a lot of cancer people because of where i'm right. at and and i had some people who saw the story even some of my family because I've, I've i've not advertised it to everybody right? right and they'd ask me like what how, how could you do this like what keeps you moving what keeps you motivated and and i was talking to one lady in particular who her life is just wrecked. She got a cancer diagnosis. And I mean, it's wrecked. She's the home is in shambles. She's just a wreck. And she was asking me and and she's like, you know, you just don't understand how my family I'm sitting with her and her husband. You don't understand how this all goes. You don't know what it's like to have cancer diagnosis. And I just kind of smiled and I said, well, I might. <laughs> and then she's right. like, well, well, I'm different. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm like, yeah, but you're a Christian. Right. You know? Right. And exactly. I said, I said, I want to die. I said, listen, I can die just as easily. I just had a friend of mine, a near and dear friend of mine, who's who's 
cousin died at 38 years old of an aneurysm, never had a health issue whatsoever. Brain aneurysm, overnight died in her sleep, left four kids. You don't know when you're going to expire, I told her. I said, we don't know. I said, I could die just as easily getting in the car than I could cancer. Totally. What I want to do is show up before the father with my armor just beat the tar and my my sword wielded to my hand, welded to it because I was using it. I want to show up before him saying, God, I fought every single day, every last breath. I want to fight until the moment I take my last breath. And we think our purpose has ended because we had an adversity, because we had a, a trauma, because we had something happen to us in our past. That's just a lie from Satan, man. God is not done with you until you have grabbed your last breath. And guess what? He's still not done with you because he's going to use you in heaven. But he's not done with you here on earth until you grab your last breath. And the devil has robbed that of so many people. And I hope someone listening today with you, Jody, Amen. gets this, that God is not done with you. No matter what your past bears, no matter the success or failure you've had, God's not done with you. Mm. And if your God is something Amen. that is based in this world, you're not going to get it. Amen. You're not going to get it, man. I promise you there's so much more fulfillment chasing the father and and listen we don't do these things we don't we don't give up the old lifestyles and everything else because we want to live a legalistic system listen that's not how this works i do what i do because i love the father Mm. because of what he did for me and i want to please him i want to love him and the more i love him the more i find that i'm lovable Mm. and and i'll tell you what man god god has spoke to me and i'm i am a work I am, I'm a mess, but God still uses me Amen. And, and, and God still loves me and he's pursuing me and I want to pursue him. And man, why, why do I not get drunk? Because that, that's not worth of what he died on the cross, man. He's better than that. Right. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And and so I think these things are things that we forget. I didn't mean to get preachy there. I'm sorry. Oh man, I, I was getting ready to pass the plate around. That was a good one. That was <laughs> awesome, dude. But, I think that's it. And we just, you know, don't stop suffering, you know, stop suffering in the lies of the devil, man. Well, and that's, I always, I always tell people that, you know, you're looking at the proverbial mirror, you know, your selflessness is the goal of a Christian, you know, Mm. selfishness is not, I mean, that's the sin that lives within us. You know, we try to, you, you, we want to be everything um, that we see in everybody else. And we want like, all of a sudden we have this, woe is me and why is me? And, how come me and, you know, instead of looking at God, the father through his son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, diving into his word and living that out, we want to try to do everything else that's surrounding us uh, that's coming from the world. And again, that's right. when the devil is lying his tail off and he does a really good job of it, you know, even with money, um, I've been, um, I've been rich and I've been poor and both suck when all you do is think about it. And that's yep. where, that's where people have to get it. It's learning to be content. It's learning Amen. to follow, follow Jesus. It's learning to, to look upward instead of, you know, earthly. We're, we've got too many people trying to build heaven here up on earth and they're going to be sadly disappointed when they get to heaven. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, I asked my church this past Sunday, mm-hmm. I'm like, how many people here like to worship? You know, a few hands go up and I was like, well, if you don't like to worship now, you're sure going to hate heaven because that's all you're going to do. That's going <laughs> to suck in heaven. Like, Amen, brother. Amen. You got to you got to look heavenly. We've got to, you know, think heavenly. And um, and we got to focus on our, all of our hope on Jesus, because that's the only hope that Amen. we have in this earth. That's for sure. You know, 
I don't know if you find this, Jody, but the next thing I'll often get from Christian men is, you know, you'll sit down and talk with them. And actually you talk about it in your book. And and there was a podcast, I think a couple of weeks ago that you had, where you talked about the power of the word, right? And right. maybe it was a little longer than that. I apologize because, you know, I'm old. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I remember you were talking about the power of the word. And I think we loathe being in the word. A lot of men do because they're like, oh, I don't get it. Or, oh, you know, listen, I used to feel bad. I remember I had a, before technology really came out, I used to challenge people like, do 15 minutes a day and be like, I don't have it. I'm too busy. And, and, and I feel like, you know, I feel like you're being a legalistic and I'm like, okay, anytime. Well, nowadays I don't have a problem saying that, you know why? Because the average human being spends 2.5 hours. If you're over 50 years old on TikTok, right. Okay. And social media, if you're under 50, it's like 4.2 hours a day. So guess what? You do have 15 minutes. Right. And so I don't feel bad saying that, but I really like this. Brett Hollis said this one time, he said, listen, if you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, open up your Bible and read it aloud. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I love it, man. I don't know if you've ever seen that dude. He's hilarious. Have, yeah. He's a great preacher, but yeah. you know, and I love that about him. But here's the thing is, gentlemen, I want you to, I want to challenge you on something. Jody's book, start the workbook, man. Amen. Grab your Bible and use them because I'm going to tell you something. The word is the power to change it cuts through anything and don't loathe it you know every everybody asks me how do you get through i I read the word every day i pray every day and i'm not i think we have this weird image of how we're supposed to pray dude I, i pray in the morning in my quiet by myself i pray while i'm walking in the speed shop i pray while i'm in the car i pray while i'm putting my helmet on i pray while i'm grinding a piece of metal i pray whenever i can because right. he's my father and he wants and and I want to talk to him, but I also shut my mouth and, and listen. Exactly. You know, and I, I think you yeah. you know I, there was something you said, I don't remember exactly what it was in 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 uh become a godly man in man up, but you talk about what it's what's necessary for a man, hmm. you know, and, and part of that was the understanding, and I think you said wisdom. Right. And and the wisdom part of it. It's really interesting because I have this men's group and they all pick on me now because when it comes around to me, they're like, oh, let me guess, you're going to pray for wisdom again. <laughs> so that's honestly the only thing I ask them to pray for me. Right. Because I'm nothing. I have nothing to offer anybody. Right. I have nothing to offer God right. without right. Jesus living in me and the Holy Spirit residing as his helper and advocate as he promised. Amen. I need his wisdom. Yeah. Because if, if, if it's Don Wickstrom speaking, listen, I'm horrible. I, I don't know how to speak. I'm an engineer for Pete's sakes and a pastor, you know, but I need him and I need that wisdom. And so I can discern when I'm being deceited. I can discern when I'm being trapped. I can discern when I should speak to someone or listen. I can discern when I need to hug someone or hold their hand. These are powerful things. And, and I can discern when I don't have the answer and I need to ask someone around me while seeking God so important to understand the word and have it written upon your hearts for those moments when it comes fleeting. I mean, you know, you had pointed out in the last conference you did, the number of men who are chasing pornography. Listen, if you're chasing pornography, you're, you are self-medicating. Totally. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, I don't remember where it was. I think it was the cave or something you gave a, maybe it was a little while ago, but I remember watching it and it was super, super eye-opening to see how many men suffer with that. Right. And, 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 you know, 
you're self-medicating. If you're drinking every night, you're self-medicating. You know, yeah. if, if you're doing weed all the time, you're, you're self-medicating. Get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. Abstain from it. And, and not from a place of legalistic, but there's so much freedom on the other side when you can go back, allow Jesus to work through those wounds. Right. And a lot of you are carrying wounds you don't even know that, you, that you've suppressed or you, don't, you haven't connected the dots on. But man, we need to do we need to do better men. We need to do better in, in helping our fellow man. You know, we're, we've gotten in this political correctness where I can't tell my Christian brother like, Hey man, I think you're spending too much time with that woman, hey, man. Mm, let me see point. your cell phone. Let me hand, hand me your cell phone. Let me look at it. And, you know what I'm that's saying? What men's ministry should be, you know, yep. and that's, that's the issue that we're having today is, is, uh, you know, men are so alone. Um, they're not in groups. They're not in, you know, um, uh, accountability groups. They're not in discipleship groups. Um, and they, they tend to walk this path all by themselves. And man, they think they can do just about anything in that path. And, um, and again, you're right. Most, most Christian men aren't standing up and saying, Hey buddy, let me, I'm, where are you? How come you're not here? How come, you know, let me check your phone. Let me, Make sure you do that. That's one of the things I always tell my guys. I have accountability programs on all of my phones, yeah. my laptops and everything. Just, you know, I'm 53 years old and I, I, you know, I, I'm, I still have those issues. I still got to make sure that I don't fall into those traps and what the enemy does. And, and for, and I am not saying this pridefully, but as a pastor and as a, a international men's leader, the greatest thing that could ever happen is the enemy knocked me off knock me out of here, you know, take me out through immorality. And I think that's what's happened. Yeah. A lot of times we were talking about accountability earlier. A lot of times these pastors, you see these pastors and these worship leaders, all of a sudden just leaving the faith. Uh, it's because they didn't have accountability. They got so big in their britches that, and I've got guys in my life that have uh, the authority to check my phones, check my computers, my wife, all of that. And um, man, guys, we need a lot more of that. That's for sure. We do, man. And, and I'll tell you what it's, and, and, and Jody, I mean, what you talk about a big part of your, your book is accountability. And, and for those who don't know how to get it, if I remember right, you gave steps for how to get accountability. One is start to pray. God puts right. someone in right. my life, Yes, you know, and I think that, I think it was bullet number one. I don't remember. Yeah, but that is. And don't, you know, and don't, you know, somebody's going to, you know, mess with you and that shouldn't cause you for, you know, there's always going to be some turd neck out there that, you know, right. that, you know, that messes you up or tell something you didn't want them to tell. But I think that's, you know, you, you even stated before uh, the beginning of this, both you and I have an open door policy when it comes to our testimonies and um, our accountability and all of that. There's nothing that we can't say uh, that's going to, you know, uh, offend us or mm. uh, we hope we don't offend other people, but at the same time, not shame me or make me feel guilty about right. anything because I, one, I try to stay in a great walk with Jesus. And two, you know, my past is my past. I'm not afraid to talk about that because I think it will Amen. help people in a different way, the good, bad, and ugly. And when you get to that place, there's nothing that anybody can really say that's going to, you know, uh, uh, hurt your feelings yeah. anymore. You know, you're not telling any secret that, hasn't already been told a million times. So uh, you know, learn, learning to find an accountability accountability partner is huge. 
two things happen in that uh, discipleship happens. It just kind of happens naturally because you're holding each other accountable. And so you start growing in the word of God and um, find somebody who has, you know, like-minded issues or sins or hurts or offenses or problems or whatever those are. And then you can glean into each other of how um, you're working on it or how you fixed it. And I think that's, that's the importance of a testimony too. You know, like when you're telling your testimony, you're able to tell the good and the bad and the ugly, and somebody's going to hear like, oh my gosh, I never thought he would have done that. Well, well, good. Then it's like, I always say men have five major problems. It's sex, wives, money, kids, and work. And then pride encompasses all of that. That's all how, that. That's how simplistic we are. Like, you know, um, if you're talking about the testimony of your, your marriage, I mean, men go through those issues. And so we've got to be open and honest about that. And I think that's the downfall of, you know, Christianity in general is, and I don't mean downfall, but I would say um, a, a problem with Christianity is that we don't want to be authentic um, in our relationships. And that's a big, big problem. Yeah. Yep. I can imagine sitting around the fireplace with Jesus, you know, as one of the apostles and him, you know, cause there's a lot that we don't get to see in the Bible. And, you know, there's those moments where they're going from Galilee to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, you know, they're going to all these places and they got to stop and eat and they've got to stop yeah. and just sit around. And, you know, I know at the fireplace, he's like, all right, Peter, what were you thinking about? You know, like just yeah. and getting in their business. And I think that's what guys need, need a lot more of. That's for sure. Amen, man. I'll tell you what, it's, it's so pivotal. It is so pivotal. And, 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 you know, we've made accountability a, a swear word, right? You know, and I think it's because there has been, like you said, what did you call it? Turd necks? Turd necks. Yeah. I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> so There's I some got, turd necks out there, man. I'll have to tell you the story after we get off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, but there are out there, but again, you know, I think I always encourage people too. you know, you're getting accountability, man, you know, right. do what Jody does. He's got accountability with two, three people minimally. And I think that's good for a balance but you also got to understand that your accountability partners aren't there to war against each other right. and you don't do the kid thing i'm going to go to the accountability that partner that that agrees with me on everything right exactly yeah you know and uh, i think it's huge and and lastly men be transparent with your wife amen you know i mean i'm not saying bear everything to a point of where it damages your marriage but what i'm saying is today's the day to be honest right it's time for you to start being honest with your wife and, and share with her what you're afflicted with and, and what you're struggling with. Yeah, and, good. and the, cause the, a wife who doesn't have answers, if she knows Jesus, God's placed something in them to begin to, to, to seek the power of prayer. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, if my wife was not a praying woman in a woman of God, um, I don't even know where I'd be because I'll tell you what, man, she has interceded for me in times and where it, you know, there's been no hope and there's been deceit. And she's a, she's been a big thing. And, and if you got a wife where you're at odds and struggle with, remember this, man, women seek safety and security yeah. physically and emotionally. And they want to know that they're loved and cherished. They're not a prize. They're a treasure. And there's a difference. Amen. Um, and we're supposed to lead. And, and I always think about this, Jody, where it says, you know, wives submit to your husbands. We love to bring that up. Right. right. We love to talk about it because yeah. it's like, yeah, woman submit. But that comes because of what we're supposed to do. It says, men, lay down your lives as though Christ did for the church. Right. And if we lead and we lay down our lives, my wife, she 
she goes along in these adventures because I laid out my life. Right. She quote unquote submits. I don't know, you know, fully what, what people think of that. I think that's kind of on, she, she comes along because yeah. she knows I have God's best interest. Number one. Well, a wife is going to submit to you when they see you submit to God. Like exactly. There's no submission without you submitting to God and vice versa. I meant you, yeah. there's submission that goes on on both parts. You know, I'm submitting to my wife as well. And in certain things, um, you know, we're, we're a, a complementary unit, although I'm still the spiritual head of the house. Yep. Yep. Um, and that, that doesn't come without both of you really seeking God. It's that pyramid, you know, everybody's heard the pyramid deal. <laughs> You know, you're over here and she's over here and the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. It's so true. It is. Uh, it's uh, it's it's paramount in a uh, in a relationship. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I, I tell guys this all the time when we're meeting with them, counseling with them, you want to have the best sex of your life. Submit to God. Submit, yes, exactly. A hundred percent. You know, one hundred percent. I, You know, and, and I, I a lot of them will look at me like what? You know, I'm like, that's, that's the truth. And, and, you know, and if you're a man right now and the only thing you and your wife are having is the hallway sex where you walk by each other and say, screw you, screw you. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's hope, <laughs> right. there's hope. And it begins with someone's got to end the cycle. You know, I think when we're counseling, I don't know how it is for you, Jody, but you'll get these couples and someone has to make the first move. Right. And the wife, you know, maybe just wanting something from the husband and the husband wants something. But somewhere, someone's got to do exactly what you said earlier in the, in, in, in the podcast. Christianity is about selflessness. Right. Someone has to act like Christ first. Yeah. Yeah. Men, be you. Have it be you. You know, because think if Jesus had the mentality we did. You know, I mean, I tell everybody, thank God I wasn't Jesus because half of us wouldn't get saved, but I wouldn't get saved. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I think it's kind of a, it's an interesting thing and, yeah. and I love it. You know, I mean, we look in James one, right. You know, I consider it pure joy whenever yeah. I face these trials of any kind. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, when you have the peace, knowing no one can rip your salvation from you. People can rip a lot of things. They can rob you of your money. They can burn down your house. They can they can murder your wife. Yeah. They cannot steal your faith in Jesus Christ. They cannot steal your place next to the Father when you're in Jesus Christ. They cannot steal that. Amen. And and so remember that 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 is worth it. That is worth it. And these things that we go through are your story, mm. are part of you. And, and, and that's what makes you who you are. And what's even better is how well you allow God to work in those Amen. for his glory. And so Amen. I think that's huge. Dang, that's good, dude. That's really good. Yeah, oh, man, God, we, we, want, we want you to have a, a right relationship with Christ because that's going to filter into every other relationship that you have, your marriage, your, your family, yeah. your your co-workers your church members it's good it's going to filter into all of that and if jesus is always first and foremost in your thoughts and your actions and your words and even in your heart uh, especially in your heart uh, it will definitely make a difference in the rest of your life for sure and yeah. uh, i know uh pastor don here and myself have both gone down that road and 
uh, are not great examples, but we are examples of how um, we can look back on our lives and say, man, if we had just put Jesus first in all of this, it would have been a big difference. But well, brother, man, this has been an awesome podcast. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, so, so tell us what's, what's in the future. What have you got coming up? Uh, tell us about the movie. How do we get a hold of it and your website? You bet. You bet. So first of all, Jody, thanks for having me, man. And and thank you to all your listeners who hung on and, and listened to me babble. I super appreciate it, but, um, you know, the future, you know, it's a funny thing. So first off, you know, the movie chasing hope, um, the I am second film it's out. You can go to I am second.com and find it there. Otherwise, you can go to Fastest Pastor on any social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. I have a little bit of TikTok. You can find it on there as well. And we'd love for you to, to add and follow us. You know, we we give encouraging encouraging work every every week and just try to follow the Father. But um, you know, we're 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 trying to steward me and my wife are trying to be good stewards of the film because we recognize I am second put a lot of resources towards it, and it's been incredible, Jody, to see the feedback from it how it's touched people in ways i never thought it would touch people right and it's so humbling this has been such a humbling time in my life to think that god can use me despite me who i am and that he can use this story to touch people in ways i would have never imagined and so what's next for me i mean i'm working on a book um i think it's going to be a devotional i kind of i want to call it chasing hope um you know, managing times of crisis, you know, finding Christ in, in crisis or something like that. But I just want it to be like a 60 day devotional where it just helps people who are having a problem with hopelessness, you know, and, and living in that place of fear, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, just help them, encourage them by what encouraged me through these times. Amen. And and so I think that's next. And, and just looking, I really want to go around and share the story. I'd like to, you know, we're, we've been getting speaking engagements. I want to continue to do that. Would love to you know, speak at men's conferences, men, men, marriages, and just people in general, I love. And, and, you know, I'm, I've had some speaking engagements here now with, with, uh, businessmen and, and their, their organizations and, and Christian organizations. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing those continue to come. I don't know. I feel like I should probably know what my calling is in life. <laughs> I don't know. I just know I'm called to follow Jesus well, and I want to do this. Mindset. You're like, <laughs> You know, everything looks great. You know, you don't necessarily have one path. You're just going to try a little bit of everything. So yeah, that's so awesome, hoping. man. Well, uh, um, so what, what's your schedule March 31st, March 31st. Yeah. I've got my uh, national uh, men's retreat that weekend. We man, need I'm, to, I'm we open need to you there. <laughs> I'll seriously. be there. Seriously. No, seriously. I want to I have you come speak. I think it'd be awesome. Oh man, Jody. Dude, are you serious? I'm serious as a heart attack, dude. I I would, man, I'm so humbled. I can't believe it. Are you sure? I'm serious. I would love to have you come and speak. I love your story. So, oh, man. I, I'm there. I'm there. Just outside of St. Louis, and uh, I'll get you all Beautiful. the information for it. So, Thank you so much, man. I would love uh, to have you. That would be cool. That's humbling. I, I would I would consider it an honor and a joy, dude. Seriously, bro. It would be great. Really okay, good. Well, I'm checking that out. Okay, good. <laughs> Okay, so what are you what are you doing June? <laughs> what are you doing June twenty fifth? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know of anything. Maybe maybe you should come out to Pikes Peak for race day. Oh, dude, no freaking way! I'll get you tickets, man, to the pits. All right, dude, I'm in. Yes. All right, 
Okay. I'm writing that down. All right. Holy cow. So you, you okay. All right. I'm in. Totally. You'll be right in the pits with us. Okay. So you'll be able to experience everything. Now I'm going to warn you, you got to wake up at like one in the morning. That's all right. That's so, all right. I, I got a strong back week mind, so I can help okay. out and I can do whatever you need. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am second will be there with us in the pits. So you'll oh, be able to, you know, you'll be able to help us minister. And, and unfortunately race day is probably where I do the least amount of ministering. Cause I kind of have a, right. I have to focus on not dying. So, totally. um, that's what we're still praying great. for. Okay, man. I'll heck yeah. I'll be there. Awesome. Shoot. Yeah. I'll get you hooked up brother. All right, brother. Well, folks, make sure you check out his new movie. Uh, it is also on the I am second website. Um, it is a great story. He's got a, it's got a great, uh, great lesson in it for you. Um, it gives you hope. And that's where uh, we want as Christians to, to do the most is, to give you hope. If you're a Christian, you have the hope already. You don't need anything else in your life to give you mm -hmm. that. But I'm telling you what, the moment that you start sharing that hope, your hope will grow even more. Amen. And this is what Pastor Don has done in and through his ministry. And brother, I am so excited that God has put us together and uh, I can't wait to, to work with you in the future. Well, Jody, thank you so much. And, and thank you for what you do here. Thank you for equipping men to man up and to become the men that God's called them to be. And, and man, this is, I know it's not easy work and especially pastoring a church. Um, thank you so much for all you do. And, and I'm super humbled that you would feel that, that I'm worthy of your show. So thank Amen. you very much. Glory to God. I'm glad you're here, brother. And I can't wait to, uh, wait to hug your neck one of these days. Same here, brother. Amen. <laughs> thank all you. All right, guys, we all check back next Monday. We will have another podcast for you guys. God bless. You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.